The Plant Powered Show pop-up podcast is brought to you by Latitude Apart Hotel and the City of Cape Town. Welcome to the Plant Powered Show pop-up podcast, the ultimate destination for those seeking advice on plant-based products and hoping to reduce their environmental footprint while still enjoying a vibrant and fulfilling life. Welcome to the episode. My name is Sean Lutz, and I'm joined in our pop-up studio by Spanish-born, British-schooled, South African-loving Santi Luzon of Chef's Table. I don't know if I got that right, Santi. Perfect. Did I? Totally. What's your full name? Oh, here we go. Santiago Benedicto Lothan Fidalgo. Santiago Benedi- Benedicto Lothan. Lothan Fidalgo. 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 It's the uh, Galician version of Hidalgo, which were the knights of Spain, like Don Quixote. Okay. Hidalgo and so on. You change the H for the F. Because we have a, a, our own language, so it's a Fidalgo. 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 So it's supposed to be Luthan and not Luzan. Loth. Lothan. That's it. Lothan. Yeah. Not Lozan. Yeah, or Luzan. Definitely. Uh, 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 I have been called before. You have? Not for very long. Oh, good. Yeah, you put them in their place. <laughs> you look like that type of person. They would be able to very easily. In the nicest way. Of course. Of course. It is really good to have you in the studio. Thank Thanks so much you. for taking the time to join us. Um, Pleasure. I, I have to know what it was that made such a powerful impression on you that you left the British pound for the South African rand? I mean, was it the mountain? Was it Camps Bay? Was it a love? All of the above, really. Yes, and, and so much more. The multicolor sort of like way of living, the, the, the everything, the, the aspiration of life and future and so on. I mean, all of it. I first came to South Africa a long time ago, 1995, Rugby World Cup. Oh, yes. I was here for those famous words. I enjoyed it. I have to be ashamed to say that I did it very much like a Brit, so I don't remember much about it. Okay. Uh, but uh, we had a, a really, really good time. And the one thing that we did notice was love in the air. And I really do mean that. There was a, such a different vibe uh, going on and we met uh, all sorts of different people from different backgrounds and whatever. We had a fantastic, joyous time. It was almost like, well, the only other place that I can tell you that is very similar is uh, 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 Rio or even Ireland when you go to Ireland. You guys love your sport, you love getting behind it and whatever. Um, and when you come together, you, you have a lot of common ground. So uh, that's what actually brought me here. And then I kept on coming year after year and um, then two years on and whatever. And I met in London a lot of different South Africans from Joburg, from uh, Pretoria, from here, Cape Town. And then years later, I met a girl uh, and her whole family uh, in 2003, who later became my wife. And she's one of the reasons why we moved here. Uh, we sort of like uh, needed a change in our life and having been coming for years and years and years, um, we had two choices, New York or Cape Town. They couldn't be more different. Wow, yeah. Um, but uh, we decided on Cape Town. I'm very, very happy that we did so. I am no longer married to the South African girl, uh, but uh, I stayed and I actually, uh, 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 I love it. I opened uh, a, bit, a couple of businesses. Um, and um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's, I mean, one of the things about South Africa is very similar to Spain. And I, I guess I found my childhood again. Okay. Um, whether you are Afrikaans or whether you are uh, uh, English, whether you are from one of the other uh, uh, sort of nations or whatever, um, you have this joyful family. 
and family time and personal time and whatever. In Spain, you work to live, not the other way around, which I was very used to in the UK, which you live to work. Right. Or as my ex-wife used to call it, the grey. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, I think that's what I really drove me to it. And of course, then, as you mentioned, we have the mountain, the sea, the beach and etc etc essential well we're very glad that you're here thank you and, and it shows me that you're an exceptionally passionate individual you go for something and you go all in i want to know then what was the thing that ignited your passion for food specifically uh, i don't ever remember a moment not having it okay um <laughs> and, and i think it's because of the nature of my family uh, 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 and as I say in my bio and whatever I grew up uh, with two families where my mother's family were fishermen and my father's family were farmers so I grew up with that uh, in my life and uh, to give you an example, I um, would be in the farm and my grandmother would go, oh, go and choose a chicken, right? Wow. Or go and get eggs or whatever. On the way to school, I used to take the cows out. And on the way back from school, I used to take the cows in. Not just cows, cattle, whatever. Um, and any other day, I would be helping bring the nets in, fixing the nets. Uh, uh, and then asking my granddad, I want bichitos, which means little creepy crawlies, meaning cra- like crabs and lobsters and whatever. He will then bring a whole sack full and fill up the, 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 the bath so that his grandson can have bichitos, creepy crawlies. Oh, wow. So I, I don't remember a time that that wasn't there. Um, and in the farm again, like uh, uh, you go up to the, we used to have a, a sort of a, a, a top uh, allotment kind of thing, which was where we grew the things for the house. You had the fields where we grew things to sell and we have where we sort, we sort of like, so you go and get, get some lettuce, get some cabbage, get some whatever. And so I don't remember ever not having that, mm. uh, which I guess whether I was going to be a cook or not, uh, I don't know, but the, the, the passion for food has always been there. And, and just the appreciation then for what goes into harvesting or, or fishing and is, is ingrained in your DNA, that's Absolutely. for sure. I was helping from the age of nine, picking potatoes and uh, corn and all sorts of stuff. Uh, as soon as you can walk, you help. Well, we're going to talk farm to fork in a yeah. moment. I, now I want to go back to your dishwasher days because okay. at, you haven't always been an acclaimed chef. You've worked to that point. Yes. <laughs> His mouth dropped a little bit there, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. But, um, your, your dishwasher days are, they're very, very far behind you. Tell me about working your way up from that to then working in Michelin star establishments because that's quite a journey. I am as proud as that period as I am uh, having worked with some of the top guys or reaching uh, accolades or whatever. Uh, the, the reason being is that, uh, for two things, one is that uh, uh, there is no one that is less than anybody else in the kitchen. Uh, if your plates are not cleaned, you're not, you're not going to uh, uh, sending out good food. Sure. If you don't have somebody who really takes pleasure in actually doing that washing, cleaning and whatever, you're not going to have a good teammate uh, and so forth. Also, and foremost, hopefully it gives you a hunger to go and fight for the, what else is there, mm. you know? And uh, I was very lucky that uh, that happened to me uh, almost two years in. Uh, the chef grabbed me by the jacket and said, right, you're in the kitchen. And that was it for me. And uh, that ignited the extra love for food that actually gave it what we call a steroid injection in comparison to what I used to have. Because then I learned 
the, the, the real professional side. It's one thing cooking, uh, or sorry, not cooking, but like uh, sort of producing, the other, and the other is where it ends up going. Mm. We see what I think. So uh, the, 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 for me, washing plates, we call them pot wash in the UK. Uh, and uh, t- to me, they are as important as muscle chef to me. So then, what are the tricks to the trade of pot washing? Something that's quick and efficient, so I can get through. Is it boiling water? Is it well, gloves? You got to have your your sinks full of water and, and whatever gloves. Well, I never wore them, and I, by the end of the the day, my skin was falling off. But, sure. uh, <laughs> uh, but, but uh, um, only I, I didn't use them. I, I always found them that I uh, it was almost like a crutch. Uh, I always used to get used to get in the way, kind of thing. Um, but but uh, uh, yeah, plenty of hot water, plenty of clean water, and uh, making sure you clean the plates off to the bin as much as you can before you start cleaning. That's a big one, because otherwise you'd be changing the water a lot more often. Yeah, and that speaks to food wastage as well, which I think we should also talk about. What then, lastly, on the Michelin star, you worked in those establishments. <laughs> you've obviously learned quite a lot then that you've then been able to apply to your own businesses and Chef's Table possibly particularly. Yeah. What are some of those things that you've carried into what you do now? Well, uh, uh, well, actually, uh, I was actually asked this, and I was talking about a client. What's the difference between, you know, like a Michelin star kind of establishment to anywhere else or whatever? And I, uh, I said, well, there isn't much uh, because there are some that don't have stars that are just as good. We don't have stars in, in South Africa because Michelin is not represented, shamefully. Mm. So uh, um, uh, I, there are three things. Three things that are sort of like the, 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 the building steps of working somewhere, not just Michelin, but somewhere that is good at what they do. And th- those three things are produce. The next one is uh, how you activate that, what you make it look like. Uh, and the third one is continuity. Okay. But those are the most important parts. Like one of the things that Michelin or any sort of food writer or, or, or inspectors, we call the Michelin star inspectors and whatever, is continuity. They, they normally visit six times a year and those six times better be the same every single time. Um, that's why you can lose it or not gain it or whatever. So for me, it's that produce. Uh, and, and produce meaning the best produce, most ethical produce, uh, uh, and the most organic produce, obviously, which comes from ethic. But then execution, like I said, how would you make it look? Um, and finally, uh, repeating myself, but finally that sort of continuity is because it's been rammed into you so much that, that that's what it is. And it, it automatically, when you do this, you do this every time and every time and every time and every time so that uh, it's never, it's, it never looks different. And that is the, the key to anything. Whether you are, if you're a, a footballer, sorry, a soccer player, uh, if you or you are a rugby player, um, you know you get taught how to spin the ball on the pass, or you get taught how to do the free kick. The reason why these guys become so good at it is because it's repeat, 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 and repeat. And those who do not repeat end up playing Sunday football. Mm. It's as simple as that. Yeah, your muscle memory, and in your case, if we speak about the importance of um, good quality produce, you've come from a farm environment. You already knew that then, and then it's so it's it's ingrained in you from early on, and then into Michelin star establishments yep. or, or through. So you can obviously speak quite well about the importance of making sure you know where your food comes from and what difference that makes then in the final product. Yeah, 
you know, just uh, you, absolutely. And yes, from, well, the thing is, that when the word organic started ban being banded about in the UK, I had never heard of the word before because to us it was all organic. Um, but uh, uh, we then, I think as cooks, we, we sort of lost our way. Uh, especially in the late 80s, early 90s, we very much lost our way and it was all about getting the best produce and didn't matter where it came from, uh, the best, the, the most pretty looking thing and it didn't matter how it got to be pretty and so on. And then something happened in the UK, which was the foot of mouth and the foot of mouth gave every single cook a massive kick up the bottom to basically start because obviously all the farmers and all the growers, they really struggled. So it became very much about finding the best local produce to help the local farmer. And that injected this huge thing that we now see all over the world. And at the time, it was when I was starting to be in charge of. Okay. And so that had, again, another massive impact in me. And because I was working, I was actually at the time working in a place called the castle in Taunton, Mission Star, which is Phil Vickery, uh, uh, Gary Rhodes, and so on. And I was working there, and the guy who owned the hotel was very much about the localness of it. And uh, I actually learned a lot from that. Uh, and from there on, it never left me. It's, uh, I never buy anything from more than 50K away. That's incredible. Yeah. I think it's important for more consumers to know that that is an option, too. Yeah. We're so used to walking into a supermarket and what is on their shelves is what we purchase. Mm -hmm. But is the supermarket supplying us with what is as local as possible? Are they supporting local farmers to keep that, that, that system going, ensuring that it's sustainable? The local shops, I mean, obviously we have a sponsor, I believe, and I think they're doing the best they can. But at the same time, they have to stay relative within their sort of like competitors and whatever. So obviously the business is business as well. We understand that. But for many years, a lot of I'm going to be a bit controversial, but uh, uh, um, with everything that we buy, they should be giving us a, 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 a bin black bag because what they've been doing is providing us with waste because right. we, we overbuy uh, and it's overwrapped, it's overprotected. Um, and, and I think that it'd be great if they can look towards the sort of like doing more of the sort of less packed things, less sort of like... Uh, 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 and in a way, uh, allowing the fruit or whatever vegetable to be what it is is mean, not always perfect. Just like me. Yes. <laughs> well, you're perfect. I think you're great. Uh, Santi, on that note about food wastage, and maybe not so much on the packaging side, but we've got the food home, we've got our vegetables home. How do we ensure that we use it to the I'm going, to say, I'm going to say use the entire plant. We speak about, you know, cooking from tip to tail sometimes, mm. and maybe mm. in this case from, mm. from, from root to tip or something mm. along those lines. Because I, I suspect that some of us forget we might have vegetables in the in the cupboard or in the in the fridge, and they go off, or we don't realize that the the tips of the celery can actually be used. We don't only have to use the bulb or the part between. You know, how do we reduce some of our food wastage at home? What are the easiest ways to do that? Um, well, the first thing that I will say, actually, uh, something that I, I use with the people that work with me a lot is knowledge is power. And I, first of all, there's a, a, a lot of people of, uh, of 
much younger than I am, who are now moving away, they living in their own home and whatever, who have not necessarily learned the skills that maybe their parents or grandparents learned before and whatever, but they're really interested, they're, start, they're starting to be really interested in what you just said, the actual uh, 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 non-wastage and being more thoughtful about the environment or whatever. So start learning, start learning about things, because... A lot, what you will find in a lot of households is that you buy an apple, a pear, a banana, or whatever, and it starts looking a bit brown, and it goes, boom, in the bin. Because you think, oh, it's not perfect, it's not whatever. Two things. By the way, you're not actually supposed to use fruit until it starts turning color, because that's when the sweet is at the sweetest. But two is that you can make jams, you can make pies, you can make dessert, and you can refrigerate, freeze, whatever. And the time that it will take you, you just have to learn that what it, the time it will take you to make that, to then push away, will save you the time the next time. So it's about not looking at a produce and thinking, oh, that's a sell-by date gone. No, really learn about what you could do with that product once is, the prettiness is gone, once it's not looking beautiful on the fruit side, on the football anymore. Um, so, yeah, learn about preserves and things like that and I mean I remember growing up there was always preserves in uh, my grannies you know always 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 uh, because nothing got wasted yeah is that a bit of a philosophy for you totally. for chef's table oh, totally yeah. we, we, we actually I would love to be away with the bin okay uh, that much so for me it's really about uh, uh, taking everything and uh, my staff are now starting to get it as well you know the guys I work with uh, guys and, and girls, that <laughs> uh, um, uh, when they go, oh, we can't use this, chef. And I go, well, but we can make this with it. Or we, oh, those uh, pears are looking, oh, well, let's make a really nice puree to go with, you know, that kind of stuff. And because we do work with, um, I was going to say the main ingredient first. So, so, for example, my suppliers, which are all very small suppliers, uh, or uh, directly to a fisherman or whatever, they give me, they say, oh, I'll cook this thing. When, okay, what can I do with it? And then I contact my ladies who grow my vegetables and I go, well, what's looking? What's popping? You know, it took me a while to get them to understand what's popping. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, no one else knew what it was either. <laughs> uh, 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 um, and then they now they call me. says, oh, these tomatoes, yesterday they were like this and now they're ready or the peppers. Wow. So you, you then take that and you put it around that dish. Mm. But I think you have to have the love and the excitement mm. for that. Mm. Also, one of the things that I have done is I've not restricted myself by having a fixed menu. I could change my menu daily. I could change it sometimes every other day or whatever. Um, but be, to make sure that, uh, 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 and it may be that today it goes with carrots and tomorrow it goes with parsnips, whatever. But you know, like that, that kind of thing. So you have to, you have to free yourself from that rigidness of, no, no, this is what I'm doing as a cook or chef, whatever, this is the menu. Well, you know, it's going to be much cheaper to rip up that A4 piece of paper and reprint it with something else than, you know, or, or better for the environment than actually going further afield to find the replacement for that thing. I think to maybe to the part to your point here, we've been sold this idea that convenience is going to be the best thing for us. And we've kind of, we've drilled really along that. And we're now coming around and going, actually, for a, for a, from a holistic point of view, from our well-being point of view, the more we can get to know our food and to work in those spaces, yeah. the better it's going to be for us in the long run. So let's try and get back into the kitchen, which is where I'm going to send you right now. Thank you very much. Um, but I want you to make something for me in your head okay. right now. So if I said to you, 
I'm really starving. I want something plant-based, easy to make, on the go. I can probably replicate it at home, maybe. What would you make? You're, you strike me as someone who likes mushrooms. I do. And uh, so mushrooms, I will do a mushroom delight. Uh, and what that means is they're finding some uh, not so nice mushrooms. Okay. Okay. Cheaper and also they are uh, gone past their best. I hear you. And you basically chop them up and you make uh, uh, with a bit of onion, with a bit of parsley, with a bit of garlic, make like a deluxe, okay. like a duck cell, you call it. Sorry, duck cell, which is very funny. Then you cook it and then you blend it. So you purify it. Yes. Make it into a paste, like a, like a, a, a puree kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then you take some beautiful, pretty mushrooms just to make you feel good. And you saute those with a bit of rosemary, a bit of thyme, a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of garlic and you put them on top and I tell you it'll be a delicious meal if that does not go for you blend them all together put them in a jar put it in the fridge and have it like a pate so that's two dishes in one I am salivating <laughs> I, I don't know if I can say goodbye to you now because the, the no. drool is dripping well there we go uh, Santi this is fantastic thank you so much for your time absolute pleasure love listening to your stories I have a suspicion you should start a podcast of your own oh well we'll see <laughs> I will, if I do you will be invited thank you very much <laughs> will the mushroom situation be I there? will have the dish ready you've and got going me. for you you've got me <laughs> thank you Santi what a treat to hear your stories and we'll include links to the things we've discussed in the show notes as thank well you. the plant powered show brings together top local and international chefs, celebrity cooks, mixologists, health and wellness experts, as well as plant-based food, drink, and conscious living products and brands. Subscribe to the Plant Powered Show pop-up podcast and join me as we delve a little bit deeper into the world of plant-based living on each episode. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at The Plant Powered Show for the latest updates, mouth-watering recipes, I'm still salivating, <laughs> and engaging content. The Plant Powered Show pop-up podcast is brought to you by Latitude Apart Hotel and the City of Cape Town.